Amen. Well, we're glad you're here today, and if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn to two passages. So, uh, the first one that we're going to be dealing with is Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 31 and 32, and then we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, so, you can kind of keep your uh, thumb in both places, because we will look at a story in a few minutes that Jesus dealt with, um, and then we're going, to, we're going to begin in Ephesians chapter 4. For the past several weeks, we've been talking about the fact that there is a battle for your heart, that Satan wants you to deal with problems that are internal so that you cannot be the man or the woman or the teenager or, or the child of God that you were created to. And so there is literally enemies that will attack your heart, and Satan uses different things. Last week, we talked about what? Does anybody remember? Grace. It's not an impact on your life. It's totally changed the way that you live. Guilt. We talked about guilt last week, and, um, and this week we're going to be talking about anger. So none of these are like flowery, feel-good sermons, but they are real because what I want to do is and, and, you know, just hear my pastor's heart. I'm not here to make you feel good. I just want you to be more like Jesus. I'm not here to try to, to just say things that would, that, that would flower you up and give you a false hope. What I want to do is give you concrete things that you can walk out of here and live your life in a better way to glorify the kingdom. And so, uh, we're, today we're going to talk about anger. Has anybody in here ever been angry? Okay. Got some liars in the group, so uh, some people didn't raise their hand because if you are human, there have been times in your life that you have been angry. Anger says, last week we said that it's guilt, we feel guilt that we feel like we owe someone. Something we did that we need to pay back for the guilt that we feel. Anger is the feeling that you owe me, that somebody owes me for the hurt that I have felt for something that's going wrong in, my life, wrong in my life, somebody owes me, and somebody is going to have to pay. Now, again, we talked last week about the fact that good comes from God and evil comes from Satan. So I just want to lay that same groundwork this week, because as we talk about anger, you need to know that Satan is using that as an enemy of your heart. And that what he wants to do is distract you, and so he will do whatever he can to take you down. Because John 10.10 says that the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Let's all say that together. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he is out to ruin your life. And so he can do that through anger, through greed, through jealousy, through guilt. He's going to do whatever he can. But we know that Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly. Anger says that it, it, it is going to continue to be in your heart until you resolve it, until you deal with it. Now here's the thing I want you to see. For most of us, when we get angry, we become angry at something that we see or know in this world. Paul told the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6 that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers that we cannot see. So there is a spiritual war going on for your heart that you cannot see. So when you get angry, oftentimes we are angry at people that we can physically see. But what I want you to know, 
that what that is is a shield for the true uh, the true culprit of your anger is not that person at the gas station who just cannot get it right behind the cash register and you're getting angrier and angrier by the moment and more frustrated and more frustrated by the moment. It's not them. It's not your boss at work who is treating you poorly or will not give you that uh, advancement in pay, that will not give you that bonus, who will not give you that day off. It's not your boss that you should be angry at because you need to know that the, the root of the evil, the anger that's happening in your life comes because Satan wants to take you down. And he wants to draw you back into a place where you cannot live a God-filled, joy-filled, grace-filled life. And so anger is the battle that is often misdirected at the wrong thing. Because what happens when you have a bad day at work or a bad day at school? Where do you go? You go home from work, you kick the dog or the cat, and you yell at the kids and the wife, or you're mean to your friends, or, or you do something. You take it out on people who didn't have anything to do with even the anger that you felt. Because that's how anger works. It is a bad and evil thing. The enemy, or Satan, wants anger to rule your life. You need to understand that Satan wants your life to be devastated by your past. We talked about guilt last, last week. Satan wants you to be in bondage, not only with that guilt, but he wants you to take that guilt into a place where you're angry, and everywhere you go, people look at you and they think, that is an angry person because you're carrying it with you everywhere you go. And just like we used the illustration of the handcuffs, you are in bondage with that guilt, and so that you will never know the freedom that Jesus wants you to bring. Here's what I want you to hear. Listen to this. You don't have to pay for the rest of your life for the guilt of your past. You don't have to be angry because of something that cut you 20 years ago, 5 years ago, 2 months ago. You can be free. Because if you remember, we talked last week, Jesus wants us to have freedom. John chapter 8, verse 36 says, If the Son has set you free, then you are what? Free indeed. Free totally. Free completely. What Jesus wants you is not to be living in bondage with handcuffs or chains, but what God wants to do is set you free from the guilt of your past, from the anger of your past, and the anger of your present, so that Jesus may be glorified through your life. Well, how does that happen? Several things that we need to understand about anger. Number one is this. If you're writing things down, you can write this down. Number one is this. We're going to get, this is a really long introduction, probably the longest you've ever heard, but we're going to get to the scripture in just a moment, but I want to set some groundwork. Number one is this. Anger is a result of hurt. And hurt causes us either to lash out or to dig in. Okay? I'll give you a little picture into Doug and Dana's marriage. This weekend we celebrated 17 years. So you love my wife because she's had to put up with my stuff for 17 years and she's still here. Okay? I'm not sure if it's because I'm a pack right off or what, but I'm still I'm still here, and we love each other. But what we have found, does anybody have discussions at their house? No. No, okay, just me. All right. Well, in my house, we sometimes have disagreements and discussions. We don't want to call them arguments, but, you know, but we're real just like you are, and so sometimes we have these heated conversations, and what happens is that that Dana, when when she gets angry and frustrated at me, which can be very often because I'm frustrated with Doug, but what she does is she closes the doors. She digs in. She's she not saying anything. Now, you can listen to me long enough this morning. 
to know that when I get angry, probably what happens is my jaw flaps. Okay, I want to talk, 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 talk. Let's talk it out, talk it out, talk it out. And she just, she'll just shut down. I mean, it's like, you know, the windows go down, the shades are down. She's not saying anything. And that just makes me angrier because she won't talk. I want to talk about it. We want to deal with it. And she's closing the doors. I want the doors all to be open. And let's talk about it. Let's deal with it. And so it's tough. So in 17 years, we have learned that Doug has to shut his mouth and be patient. And eventually, Dana will tell me what's wrong and what I did wrong and how, how we can fix it. Because it's usually me that's wrong anyway, not her. Because, you know, guys, we're doing the thing. I ain't like to live in that realm of doing the wrong thing. But one of the things, yeah, you might heard that later. Uh, one of the things that we have learned, though, is that if we will be patient, we can walk through this. Here's, if, you're, if you're already married or if you're not married yet or if you're newly married, here's some great advice. One of the things that some wise people set us down when we were early in marriage, and they said, don't ever go to bed angry. And if you just want to know for, for real, that's biblical. They don't want the sun to go down on your anger. So, in 17 years, there have been some late nights. I'll just go ahead and tell you that we didn't go to bed until we were not angry at each other. But it helped our marriage because we never laid down our heads on the pillow mad at each other. Okay? Does it mean we resolved everything? No. Does it mean we always agreed? No. But anger is not better in the morning. It's not better if you sleep on it. Okay? Anger, what happens is either you lash out or you dig in. So what happens if you sleep on it, if you let it continue to fester in your life, what happens is that you had a fight two weeks ago and she burns the bacon in the morning and you just fly off the handle and she's like, what in the world is just bacon? And you're like, the last two weeks ago, blah, 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 blah. And you're just all over the situation because you tried to put it inside or you you close it all up and then you're mad and then you, you're resentful and it begins to affect your relationship in a negative way. I want you to know this, that lashing out or digging in both are unhealthy because when we hurt people, we hurt ourselves. And the hurt that we feel will eventually live out in our life. For those people who begin to, when, 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 if, you're, if you're a person who lashes out, you often hurt the people that you love the most. The people who you care about the most, you, you, you say things that you wish you could take back. You do things that you wish you could take back. And, and it's all done in anger. For those of you who are the type of people who close it up and keep it in, you begin to self-destruct on the inside. It's like trying to keep the pressure in a bottle. Eventually, it's going to blow, and it's going to be bad when it happens. Either that or, or what happens is you begin to destroy yourself. You begin to have a low self-esteem. You begin to have a self-destructive lifestyle. Or worse, you become a victim. And if you become a victim of the anger of your past, here's what happens. You lose complete control of your life. Because when you're a victim, you're not in control. Someone else is controlling you. Here's, here's what I know. With 20-plus years of ministry and counseling experience, here's what I know. People have sat in my office and they said, I am mad about something that happened 25 years ago. And that person today is still controlling my life with what they do. Now, does that sound the way that you should live? That's not what God intended. And you can either deal with your hurt or refuse to resolve it, and eventually you'll self-destruct. The second thing I want you to see that you can write down is that anger controls your life. Now, let's look at Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4 
verse 31, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And he is telling them how to deal with some things in their life. And he talks about this subject that we are on this morning. Verse 31 of Ephesians chapter 4, he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, uh, along with all malice. He says, you cannot live this way. You cannot continue to live an angry life. Why? He uses some words in, in the, which in the original language, get rid of, literally means to aggressively remove from your life. I'm a parent, and so when my children uh, were smaller, they put everything where? In their mouth. I mean, if it was laying around, it went in their mouth. And so we, we try to be good parents, and so we locked up things that were harmful to them. Cleaners, bleach poisons, anything that we had that we knew that if they put it in their mouth it would hurt them, we locked them up in a cabinet, we put child locks on so they could, get, could not get into it, because the worst thing that could happen is for a, a young child to get some poison into their, their mouth, into their body, into their system, and it killed them. And so we lock it up. Here's what Paul said. Paul says, listen, you have to get rid of these things in your life because they are like poison in your system. They will destroy you. And he has a whole list, but anger is in there because it controls your life. Here's what I want you to know. That the, the anger that is in your heart, that you feel, somebody owes me. Somebody's got to pay the price because they owe me. I was hurt. I was done wrong. I was mistreated. I, I was cut deep to the heart. Somebody owes me. Here's what I want you to know. The repayment that it will take to make that right is not worth the journey. It is not worth the journey. You want them, you want that eye for an eye, you want them to pay, I want you to know that payment is not worth what it will cost you. Now, Paul says put it away. He says the same thing in Colossians chapter 5. Listen to this. Excuse me, Colossians chapter 3. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, yeah, that, that was really good. Covetness, yeah, whatever. Uh, which is idolatry. And on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you, you two once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. You must put them to death. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Here's what I want you to see. Paul says, you cannot be a little angry and be okay. It's not something that can be a part of your character. Some people say, you know what, it's just me. I just got, I'm a little bit hot-tempered. I'm a little bit hot under the collar. I, I have a short fuse, and, and I easily blow up. I want you to know it's not about that situation, and it is not a part of your character. It is a part of your past. It is something that has happened to you. It is, a, it is a trait that you have learned, and it is not godly. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, if you know your Bible at all, you're thinking, but Jesus got angry. Jesus went in the temple. What did he do? He flipped the tables over. He, he drove them out with a whip. I mean, he went to town, didn't he? I mean, he, he really, and, and he made a scene. And you're saying, Jesus did it. I'm supposed to be like Jesus. You tell me that all the time, Doug. Two things I want you to see. Number one is this. Jesus was defending the name of God, the house of God, and the purposes of God. I don't know about you. 
But most of the time when I get angry, it doesn't have anything to do with God. In fact, I don't even want God to watch me because I might say something that I don't want God to hear. When I get angry, when you get angry, it's not normally about trying to build up the kingdom of God. It's not about trying to, to for, for the fame and the name of God. It's about me. I want somebody to pay me back for what has happened to me. The second thing I want you to see about Jesus when he cleared the temple was, it says that he was angry and he did not sin. Now, anybody in here got angry and didn't sin? Yeah. You're the crickets? Yeah, that's because that usually is what happens. We get angry and we say things that hurt. We get angry and we do things that we can, which we can take back. We get angry and we're destructive. It's as if we take hammers and sledgehammers to our world when we're angry. And it's not about us trying to build up God or God's kingdom. It's not about us trying to do something productive. It's about destruction. So let's just, let's just all admit today that probably when we get angry, it's not because we're clearing the temple and running out the people who are stealing from God's people. It's not that we are doing it without sin. So we can't compare ourselves in that way to Jesus. If you really want to be like Jesus, here's what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter, chapter 10, he's giving instructions to his disciples. And he said, if you get frustrated and angry with people, what I want you to do is to walk away. He says, if somebody will not help you in the proclamation of, of the gospel, the good news, and telling people about Jesus, if they won't work with you, if they won't help you, then you dust off your hands and your feet and you go to the next thing. So Jesus said, instead of getting angry, knowing you can't get angry and not sin, knowing you're, you're not going to probably handle yourself in the right way, then you need to walk away. So we're going to be like Jesus and we have to do it in that way. Now, last week, I, I, we, we looked at a principle in John chapter 8 that says that you will know the truth and the truth will what? Okay, set you free. So you couldn't remember that it was guilt, but at least you remember the scripture. That's good. So we're rocking now. Okay, here's, what I, here's the truth I want you to see today. Satan wants you to stay captive in your anger. He doesn't ever want you to be free. He's, he's never going to allow you the freedom to, to not live in that jail of your past, of your hurt, of your anger. So how do we get free from that? Two things. Number one is this. Admit your anger to yourself, to God, and to others. You need to be honest with yourself. I'm an angry person. When I get in those tough situations, I usually don't handle it right. And so you got to be honest with yourself. You need to ask God for forgiveness. God is the only, I can't forgive you. I'm not a, I don't have the, the magic wand of forgiveness that I can wave over you. God is the only one that can forgive you. And then lastly, you need to ask those who you have hurt to forgive you. Here's my guess. If you walked into your home, you walked into your job, and you said, listen, guys, I'm really sorry. I don't know if you knew this, but I'm kind of an angry person. And sometimes I make mistakes. I'm sure they're not going to say, really? I never noticed that you popped off and you, you lost your cool and that you just did the wrong things and said the wrong things. We never saw that in your character. We always thought you were a good person, that you handled everything well. They're probably going to say, yeah, we've been watching you. Yeah. We don't know when you come home from work whether it's going to be good or bad. So we wear a helmet and a mouthpiece and we've got shoulder pads on because it could be really bad and it could be really good. And so we, we don't know. And so you got to be honest with them and say, listen, I am an angry person. I, I do have problems. I do have issues. And I want to begin to work through them. Because here's, here's the key. Don't miss this. The road to freedom from anger is through forgiveness. Can you say that with me? 
The road to freedom from anger is forgiveness. Now, that doesn't even sound fun, does it? <laughs> it doesn't even sound fun to have to forgive somewhere else. But listen, you have to forgive yourself, and you have to give forgiveness to people who have hurt you in your past or even in your present situation. I want us to look in Matthew chapter 18 because Jesus deals with this. But don't forget that. The road to freedom is on the road to forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus deals with, beginning in verse 21, the story of forgiveness. And I want us to take a moment and I want us to look at that. Then Peter, one of Jesus' followers, came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And as, and as many as seven times... Now, if we were going to rewrite Scripture, verse 22 would be one that I would want to edit, because look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. And in my heart, I'm going, oh, man, for real? Seven times. I'd like seven. I could get seven chances. That would be kind of a graceful lifestyle. You know, okay, sorry, you're on number six. You better be good, because when you hit number seven, you're blacklisted all out of my life. Here's what Jesus said. No, 70 times 70. And if you do math, you know that's a lot more. So what Jesus is saying, listen, it's not about keeping score. How many times you forgive? Because that's not how God's treated you. And then he tells the story. Look at verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle one, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, 10,000 talents would be equal to 20 years' wages. So just think about how much money you make in a year and uh, multiply that times 20. If you're a college student or a high school student or a child, then just pretend because <laughs> the money you make is a lot more than that. So if you can imagine hundreds of thousands of dollars, that's how much this guy owes, okay? Look what, look what happens. And since he could not pay, the master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience on me and I will pay you everything. So he owed all of this money. And in that day, they didn't just say, hey, would you come down to the bank and sign this paper and promise that you will pay me back? If you owed somebody and they wanted to, they could throw you in prison and your wife and your children and make you work until you paid it back. It was a very harsh, harsh system. Everybody in America would be in jail if we went by that system because we all, unfortunately, probably owe more than we need to. And out of pity, verse 27, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt, all of it, hundreds of thousands of dollars. He said, I forgive you because he showed him mercy. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is like a day's wages. So 20, 30 bucks, okay? A small amount of money. And seizing him, he began to choke him and saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused and he went and put him in prison so that he could pay the debt. This guy just got forgiven. I mean, it's like winning the lottery. He, he, it's, it's like as if Wells Fargo, a Bank of America, or whoever you owe your money to, would call you tomorrow and say, listen, you're such a good person. And you know what's close to Christmas? And we're just in the spirit. You don't owe us any money. You don't owe on your house. You don't owe on your car. That credit card where you spend too much money, 
Just don't worry about that. It'll be all right. We just love you. You're such a wonderful person. And you don't know anything. And you walk out of that situation, which probably won't happen to you, but it won't happen to you. It's your bank will call you. But you walk out of that situation, and you find a guy who owes you 20 bucks. And you grab him by the neck, and you start choking him. Like, dude, pay me $20. He's freaking out. What, what's wrong with you? Why are you so angry? Why can't you show me some mercy? And so he asks for mercy. And what does he do? He throws him in jail. For like 20, 30 bucks, throws him in jail. Look at verse 31. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said, You wicked servant, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And you should have not had mercy, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he would pay all of his debt. This guy forgot in just a moment what had happened to him. He went from owing hundreds of thousands of dollars to being completely forgiven, walked out the door, and beat up a guy on the street and threw him in jail because he owed him 20 bucks. How much sense does that make? It's crazy. This guy's, he's crazy, isn't he? Except for, let's think about me and you. Because before we throw this guy under the bus, I want to think about me. I want to think about the fact that, you know what Jesus has done in my life? Is that I had this huge debt. All of the sin of my life, everything that I've ever done wrong, Jesus said, the scripture says that the wages of sin is death, that somebody has to pay for the price of my sin. And Jesus said, you know what? I love you. I'm going to die on the cross for you, and I'm going to pay the debt that you owe. And we, we, we accept that. Many of you have come to the cross of Christ. You've laid your heart down. You've asked God to forgive you. He's cleansed you, 1 John 1 9. If you confess all of your sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You've experienced that salvation. You have felt the cleansing of God in your life. You've got salvation. Heaven is your reward. You are adopted into the kingdom of God to have an inheritance that you did not deserve. Jesus did all of that for you, and you sing praises on Sunday with a smile on your face saying, Praise the Lord, I'm saved, I'm forgiven. And you walk out these doors of this church on Sunday morning, and you look at somebody and go, Hmm, they look like a punk. Look at that car they're driving. Do you know what activities they're involved in? I wish they were as good as me. We treat them just like this guy. We judge them. Can I tell you something? Look at, listen to me. You are saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing that is holding you away from God is what God has done for you. And if it was not for that grace, you would be in the same place. You might be a good person. You might have a good heart and be generous, but I want you to know from a sin standpoint, you would owe the debt that they owe. And the only difference between you and them is what Jesus has so before we throw this guy under the bus and go, what a kitty. 
who's forgiven all of that debt, and yet he walks out and he begins to abuse that person. Before I, before I completely convict him of his sin, I have to think about me. Because I'm going to just be honest with you. I've been guilty of doing just that. Leave church on Sunday and walk outside and go, hmm, boy, I wish they had to stay in If it were not for the grace of God, I would do that. And I'm telling you, with what God has done in my life, I still make mistakes. I still, the only thing I have, the only hope I have is that the grace of God has forgiven me. That he has sent his son, God has sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. How do I know that God has done that? Why would I ever desire to live in the manner of being forgiving? Because for, for, for many of you in this room, when, when I say you should forgive the people of your past, you're going, but pastor, you don't know. They owe me. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they hurt me. You don't know how deep it cut. You don't know what happened in my life, the, the junk and the mess that I had to live through, and you want me to forgive them? about what Jesus did for you. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says that God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died on the cross for us. Meaning this, that before you were ever born, before you were ever a thought, before you were ever uh, even thought of being on this earth, that Jesus died for your sins because he loved you. Before you could ever do anything in your mind that would deserve it, and I want you to know you cannot deserve or earn the salvation and the forgiveness of a holy God because there's nothing that we could ever do that would pay Jesus back for what he has done. He did it anyway. He didn't come to you and say, listen, Doug, I, I, I know how you live. I mean, I got a list. And you, you know, one, this day you did all right, but man, this day you really did bad stuff. And so I'm going to forgive you of that, but I'm going to make you pay for this, and that's not how God works. When you come to the cross of Christ, first John 1 9, and I told you a minute ago, says, if you confess, he will forgive. It doesn't matter where you've been, it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter how dark it has been or how light. It doesn't matter if you've been a good person or a bad person. If you have sin in your life, Jesus said, I forgive you. Straightforward. That's how it works. That's what he's done for you. He didn't say you gotta earn it, he didn't say you have to be a good person, because you can never be good enough to earn what Jesus has done. But that unforgiveness, that unwillingness on our part to say, you know what, it hurt, and, and, and it was bad, and I didn't deserve it, and I didn't do anything wrong, but they did that to me anyway. If you harbor that unforgiveness and that anger in your heart, it is like a cancer that will eat a hole in your life, and it will never set you free. Instead, you will stay in bondage, and it will rob you of the joy and the peace and the purpose and the fulfillment of God in your life. Anger says... You owe me. But I actually think a better phrase would be, anger says that you owe me. That person in your past, that person in your present situation, who you're angry at and has been hurting you, I want you to know they own your life. They have a hold on you that is not letting go. And that hurt that is deep inside of you is ripping you apart because you will not forgive them. You have to let go. If, if you don't let go for anybody else, let go for yourself. Forgive them for you. We, we would love to see those people in your past find freedom, but I want you to know, even if they don't accept your forgiveness, that you have to be set free for yourself. Because what happens 
when you harbor that anger, when you harbor that unforgiveness in your life, it's as if every morning you take your heart in your hand and you take a hammer in your hand to your heart. And it just crushes it into pieces and you stuff it back into your chest. And you live with that broken heart and then the next morning you get up and you take a hammer to your heart and you shove it back into your chest. And you try to live with those broken pieces in your life and they're scarred and they're cutting and it hurts and every day you feel it. Why don't you stop taking a hammer to your heart and let the Jesus that can heal your heart begin to work in your life. Because for too long, many of you every morning have just woke up and you've been a victim of your past You've been a victim of your heart, and you've just been taking a camera to your life in that same cycle. And I want you to be free. I want you to look back with me in Ephesians chapter 4, because how are we free? Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 how to be free. He tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, that we needed to rid these things of our life. But look at verse 32. How do we do it? He said, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, Forgiving one another. So it's almost like kindergarten. Be nice to those who are around you, okay? Be kind. It's not rocket science. How do I remove anger? Then you show kindness when kindness is not deserved. You show kindness when they have not earned it. You give forgiveness when they have not earned your forgiveness. But you are, and guys, I know there's a, there's a word in the middle there. It says be kind to one another, tenderhearted. This doesn't mean that you're soft. It doesn't mean that you cannot be a man. Tenderhearted means compassion. And I want you to know that somebody has shown compassion in your life. Someone who's been tenderhearted, they have been willing to give you that second chance. And you need to be that person who is a person of second chance and forgiveness. Why? Look at the end of that verse. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You see, what God wants to do is he wants to cleanse you. He wants to forgive you. And we have to treat other people in the same manner that we have been forgiven. What if God treated you like you treat other people? What if God said, hey, you know what? Yeah, you may have done a couple good things, but you've done some bad things, and I'm going to make you pay. You've got to go through the ringer. You've really got to grovel. You've really got to get down on your hands and knees and beg me to forgive you. There is an act of submission in your life that happens when you come to Christ, but I want you to know, if you ask Jesus for you, what if God treated us like we treat other people? Instead of being kind and tenderhearted and forgiving like he is, what if he treated us with a hammer? What if he took us out and said, every time that you make a mistake, way on, I take a hammer to you. That's not how God works. God, instead of wielding a hammer, God gives us grace. For a debt that we could never pay, He gives us forgiveness. Neither you or I deserve it, but God gave it to us. You see, what happens is that that sin, that anger, that hurt, it controls us. There's a phrase out there that says that hurt people hurt people. That people who have been hurt will hurt other people. You may have experienced that. You may have been on the wrong end of that hurt. Here's what I want us to do. Jesus said, I have come that you might be free. That Jesus said, that the scripture says that if the Son has set you free, that you are free indeed. If that is true, then instead of hurt people, hurting people, maybe we can live as free people, freeing people. Maybe we can give out some grace and some forgiveness where it's not deserved and it has not been earned. Because what God wants us to do is to free people from anger. 
not keep them in prison. It may be that you need to forgive someone or you maybe need to uh, do something that you have make, make right what you have done wrong in someone's life. Here's what Martin Luther, a, a preacher from a long time ago, said. He said, in the journey of life, it is like one beggar telling another where the bread is. As Christians, it's not about who's right, it's not about who's wrong, it's about how can we get more people to the table of Jesus. How can we get more people to cross the Christ where the forgiveness and grace can work in their life? How can we allow God to work through us? Will forgiveness be, let me tell you something, will forgiveness be hard for some of you who have been damaged and hurt from your past? Yes, it will. But listen, you know what it's like to be free because Jesus has set you free. What if that person who hurt you in the past can feel that same freedom? No matter how much hate and how much anger you have for them, if they die without Jesus, they go to a place called hell, and hell is a place that you will not be trying to work for you. If they can find Jesus and be redeemed, like you have been redeemed. If they can be forgiven of the debt, like you have been forgiven of the debt. If they can find freedom, like you have found freedom. God will be honored, and I promise you, your life will feel a newness and a freedom that you can In the end, it's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's about is God pleased. It's about, it's not about did they pay? Because they owe me. Pastor, they owe me. They hurt me. Listen, it's not about them. It's about you. If you're willing to let God work in your life, in the end, you have to be able to answer the question, is God pleased with my life? Paul, in Ephesians chapter 4, told us to get rid of all those things, and he said, instead, be kind, be tenderhearted, forgive one another as Christ forgave you, and then in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, the next verse, he says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. For you and I, you know what that means? That for some of you that have, have been angry people and, and you've been explosive in your life or, or you've been hurting other people because of hurt in your life, Here's what I want you to know. What those verses mean is that no longer do people have to put on a helmet and a mouthpiece and wonder whether it's going to be okay when you come home. But instead, when you become a fragrant offering, they look forward to you doing that. They look forward to your presence in their life. They look forward to your companionship and your friendship and your love because you have changed in your ways and no longer are you going to allow the anger of your past and the anger of your present to rule your heart, but you're going to make the sacrifice to forgive, to restore, and to allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life at work, at home, at church, everywhere that you go because you want people to see Jesus in you. You see, John chapter 8, Verse 36 says that if the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. That means that you need to forgive your past and let Jesus set you free. I wish I could tell you that's an easy journey. For some of you that this just digs up some mess. It's going to be painful, it's going to hurt, and it's going to, it's going to be horrible because you've got to relive through some things that you don't want to relive. But I want you to know that person who hurt you is still hurting you. Today because of the anger in your heart. 
And unfortunately, you're taking that anger out of the people that you really want to around you every day. You need to allow Jesus to set us free so that you can be used by the kingdom of God and glorify Jesus with your life. Would you guys agree with those words? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to ask you to look inside of you. Are you an angry person? You say, Pastor, I'm not angry. Is there hurt in your life? Is there some forgiveness that you need to give in your past? You may say, Pastor, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel the hurt, but I'm not an angry person. It doesn't bother anybody but me. I want you to know it's a cancer eating you from the inside out. Jesus wants to set you free. So that hurt that you feel, those cuts that are deep, that deep, that pain that is inside your heart, I'm just going to ask today that you lay all that down at the foot of the cross, that you allow Jesus to come in and to give you grace, to give you mercy, and to give you peace. The Bible says that when we ask that Jesus will forgive us, He will cleanse us. So for you today, you may need to pray. I'm going to pray for you, but I want you to pray with me. That Jesus will allow you to be free, give you the power to forgive, and future that is amazing. Heavenly Father, I just thank you today that, that you love us. Thank you, Jesus, that you never have given up on us. And Lord, even though sometimes we're we're angry and we react in the wrong ways, Lord, you you love us in spite of that. God, in this room, I just feel presence here, and Lord, I, I just feel a word from, from you that there's some people in the illness deep There's some anger that has built up for years and years. Lord, it's ruined their life, and God, we, we want that freedom, and so Father, I pray today that you will help us to lay those hurts down at the cross. God, that we would give forgiveness where forgiveness is not deserved. That we would give forgiveness to those who have hurt us, even though they are spitting in our face and still hurting us to this day. Lord, give us the power, give us the courage to forgive and be free. Lord, I pray that you would restore the broken hearts. Lord, I, I feel this way that there's just people who have been taking a hammer to the heart of the Lord, today, that you can set free. Lord, that you begin the process of healing the putting the broken pieces back together Lord, more importantly than any of that, I pray for someone in this room that doesn't know Jesus, that today will be the day of salvation for you. Lord, you tell us in your word that if we will come to the cross and we will ask you to forgive us of our sins, that we will believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who came to, to pay the sins of the whole world. Lord, if we believe that, we ask you to come into our hearts and forgive us and be our Lord and Savior. God, that you will not only Give us, and you will transform us into followers of you. Lord, I pray that today. And if someone needs to do that, if they would pray a prayer like this, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. I ask you to come into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, and to make me more like you. Lord, be my boss, be my leader, be my Savior. Lord, when they pray that prayer, you tell us that you will forgive them, you will cleanse them, and you will make them free. 
did that for me so many years ago. I'm so thankful. Lord, would you help me to never forget the grace that I have received? It's the same grace that you offered. And help us to do that. But we love you. We ask that you would be the healer of hearts. The love of souls. In Jesus' name.